Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, fingers crossed, what Trey had to say, and I got no problem with what Snit did. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, we got some good news at the open practice on Friday for the Atlanta Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Stadium when Arthur Smith said, quote, he anticipates everybody being ready for the opener against Carolina. Quote, we fully anticipate everybody being ready for to, ready to go September 10th, and so we'll be smart. Well, obviously, if we're talking about everybody, that's going to include Kyle Pitts. Now, obviously, Pitts... Coming off of surgery this past year, spotted um, he has not been spotted at OTAs or anything like that. Knee surgery after the win over the Chicago Bears back on November 20th. And he's been out, obviously, that was out the remainder of the season. So it's good news to hear that Kyle Pitts is going to be back. And we've talked a lot about on this show that he has to have that kind of big impact on this team, right? <clears throat> now, look, could you get away with a game or two without – Kyle Pitts, certainly, but you want him in every single week. He is going to be a difference maker this year. And look, we we know that the pressure is sort of on Kyle Pitts, right? I mean, it, it's it's a it's a big season for Kyle Pitts to be a part of this group, and it's good news that the fact that he is going to be here. Um, when talking about Kyle Pitts, when he was asked specifically to comment uh, about him. He was talking about the uh, Arthur Smith, I should say, was talking about the idea that he's going to be smart. They're going to be smart with him that but he should be ready to go for the opener. So, look, this may take a week or two weeks or a few weeks to get adjusted, because obviously we only have the three preseason games. Right. We don't get into really any kind of full contact practices or anything like that. But just the fact that and I don't want to say him being on the field allows him to be a decoy, something like that. But you know Kyle Pitts is going to be ready to play. He's going to be ready to play. He's got a lot to prove this upcoming season. And again, if we're going to be that dynamic red zone offense that we need to be, he's got to be a huge part of that, right? So it's good news, the fact that Kyle Pitts is going to be ready. It looks like everybody is going to be ready for September 10th. So we don't have to worry about recovery times and, you know, getting back in the flow of things and getting himself ready. I'm sure that as we see training camp and the preseason start to come along, we'll see Kyle Pitts doing some workouts and things like that. <clears throat> Again, he's not been part of OTAs and all that, and that's fine. I mean, we don't need really him there for the summertime, and we don't really even need him there for training camp. But it is nice to know that, okay, we're building up to something, that we're building toward getting Kyle Pitts back. So hopefully – this is, you know, going to happen. 
Uh, I don't think Arthur Smith would come out and talk about the idea of Kyle Pitts being back if he wasn't going to be back. I don't think Arthur Smith would would tell you that, you know, again, if he says everybody's going to be back, you can take him at his word on all of that. And again, we've talked about the idea of what an important season this is for Kyle Pitts, right? I need him to have that influence and that impact and be that Travis Kelsey type of player. I need him to be that 100-catch, 1,400-yard, dozen-touchdown caliber of player. I know we've got lots of weapons, and we've got all kinds of guys running all over the field, and we've got wide receivers and running backs and tight ends and this and that and, and all the good kind of stuff. And, you know, the unfortunate thing, though, is we won't probably really get a look at what Kyle Pitts could be in the preseason, right? At least for from a fan's perspective. I'm sure that Arthur in practice has his ideas about how he's going to use Kyle Pitts throughout the course of the year. But as fans, and again, we probably wouldn't see Kyle Pitts very much, but even the glimpses that we would see, it would be interesting to see where he's going to line up as far as when this offense gets everybody on the field, right? Could he be split out wide? We've talked about that before. You know, can he be an inline tight end? I do think that there are all kinds of options that are available to Kyle Pitts as far as where he's going to line up. And unfortunately, as fans, we just kind of miss out on that opportunity. We miss out on that chance to see exactly where he's going to be on the field or some of the things that he can do on the field or some of the places that he will be, right? We talked about on Friday, the positionless offense, right? Kyle Pitts is not a tight end. He's a multifunctional player, right? So as fans, the unfortunate part is just, we don't get to see him standing on the field, whether he's outside, inside, whatever he's going to be. I don't know. He could be in the backfield for all we know. So, you know, little wrinkles and things like that to give teams something else to think about. But at the end of the day, the best news is that Arthur Smith said he's going to be ready for September 10th. And frankly, that's all I care about. I I need Kyle Pitts to play all 17 weeks this year. I need him to be a big influence on what our offense is going to be. I need him to have a huge season, have that breakout season that we all anticipate, and be that be that unicorn that we've heard about for the last couple of years. Be that guy that is the difference maker on our offense, right? And again, if we're going to invest the number four pick in a pass catcher, that player should have a, a, a big influence on what we do offensively in a game. So good news from Arthur Smith, fingers crossed, no setbacks, nothing that comes along the way, but it is, you know, kind of unfortunate that we as fans just don't get to see where Kyle Pitts may line up or do some of the different things that he's going to do on this offense. So it'll be a surprise to us as well. You know, as fans of the team, it'll be surprises to us, you know, when we see all of these guys line up in positionless football, right? I just want to see these guys score a bunch of touchdowns. That, that's all I care about. Give me give me 67% touchdown rate in the red zone, and I'll be happy. I don't care if it's Pitts, London, whoever. I don't care what player that it is, as long as that happens for this team. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Look, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, and as we're in the NBA playoffs, right, we're in the NBA finals right now. You saw Miami tied things up 1-1 last night. New customers to FanDuel.com can get a chance to claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $2,500 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I said that right, $2,500 
in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel's safe, secure. It's America's number one sportsbook app. You can do all kinds of different things. You can get bet on prop bets, point spreads, how many points Jimmy Butler is going to score, what have you. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the place to go. FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as $2,500 if your first bet doesn't win. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to claim your no sweat first bet of um, as much as $2,500 if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, you know, we know that Trey Young has this podcast that is being launched, right? I mean, he's he's got this podcast. I don't even know what the name um, of it is, uh, of his particular podcast. But, you know, he's supposedly going to, you know, talk honestly about some different things and stuff like that. And, you know, we saw the fact that Trey Young in his first episodes or what have you, talked about Nate McMillan on his podcast. Here's what he had to say. Quote, everyone can say what they want. Me and him had a really good relationship. You can't go to the Eastern Conference Finals without a good relationship from the coach to the point guard. Oh, okay. Um, well, let me put it to you like this, okay? Um, I, I, I understand. Do I think that those guys hated each other? No, I don't think that they hated each other. Do I think that they had a real difference of philosophy? Yeah, I think they had a real difference of philosophy. Now, again, if their relationship was so good, then why did everybody who, because Trey Young didn't speak when Nate McMillan got fired, right? He was one of the guys, DeJounte spoke, John Collins spoke, Clint Capella spoke about the idea of the message being stale, it's a message for a veteran team or this, that, and the other. Okay, if you really felt that way, then I have questions about how good your relationship was with Coach. Look, Trey Young and Nate McMillan, when they went to that Eastern Conference Finals run, they could do no wrong in the offseason, right? They were the hottest things going in the NBA. They, they were the hottest thing in the NBA. All the Hawks are the up-and-coming franchise and this and that. Look how young they are. They got their young core in place, blah, 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 blah. Nate McMillan's getting the most out of these guys. And then it just crapped out from there. You don't get fired if the star player and the head coach have this great relationship with one another. Like I said, do I think that Nate McMillan and Trey Young were about to duke it out and go in the locker room and have fisticuffs and all this kind of No. No. But I know for a fact that basically they had a real difference of philosophy in what they were trying to accomplish and the way that they wanted Trey Young to play versus the way that Trey Young himself wanted to play. You don't fire a guy coming off the Eastern Conference Finals if things are all hunky-dory. Like I said, I mean, there's a there's a, a lot of ways to interpret what that comment was from Trey Young. That, <laughs> yes, did they have a good relationship? I think they did at one point. Winning cures all of that, right? I mean, certainly winning, when you're winning, all of that, 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 all of those kinds of things get taken care of, right? Winning cures everything. Even Bogey said that. When, when, when Nate McMillan got fired, Bogdanovich at the press conference said, hey, winning fixes everything. It sure does. 
It sure does. If you, if you win ball games, you don't have to worry about the coaching relationship and all this kind of stuff. So don't know that, again, I'm, I'm 100% on board with the idea of what, what he said there. Like I said, do I think that they had real issues as far as a philosophical standpoint goes? Yes, I, I do think that they were not on the same page with one another. Hence, the coach got fired for it, right? Because they didn't live up to their expectations. They didn't build off that Eastern Conference Finals run. But do I think that, yes, did they have a good personal relationship? Sure. I don't think that they were going to slug it out in the locker room or anything like that. But I don't think that this rosy picture, because again, Trey Young had a chance to speak. And I know he had a personal day that he missed when Nate McMillan got fired and all this kind of stuff that was approved. And I got no problem with that. But Trey Young could have squashed a lot of this speculation and rumor and innuendo if he would have spoken. We criticized him for not speaking at the press conference. The idea that, okay, we know you got a personal day or this, that, and the other, but you got to address it. Because when you're the star player, you're the face of this franchise. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, whatever like that, you're the guy that people are going to go to for the quotes. You're the guy that people are going to go to that when there is a problem or an issue and there's a difference in philosophy between head coach and player, we want to hear from the player. At this point, we can't hear from the head coach. He's no longer with the organization. We have to hear from the star player on this team. So, again, I'm not necessarily buying everything that was thrown out there, but okay. Now, the other thing that Trey Young said on his podcast here was the idea of that Quinn Snyder, and, and we heard this, um, you know, from, um, you know, we, we heard this from some other players that were talking about this, that Quinn Snyder has talked about the idea of taking more threes, shooting more threes, right? Now, here's the quote from, uh, from Trey Young on this. Um, quote, I'm going to focus a lot more on shooting threes. Quinn likes us shooting a lot more threes, getting good shots and making sure my three ball is back to where it needs to be. Well, here's the thing, you know, from a percentage standpoint, things haven't always been great for Trey Young shooting the three ball. And obviously he had a difficult time shooting the three ball last year. Um, you know, his three point percentage has never been outstanding. It's never been a 40% or above type of three point percentage, but, and I know Quinn Snyder has talked about this specifically, the idea of taking more threes, but you got to be smart about this as well. You know, for instance, I don't want John Collins shooting more threes. I don't, I don't, I don't want him hucking up more threes because that's the offensive style or whatever that is, you know, best for what this team is. And by the way, if you look at Trey Young's, um, per game averages, um, 32.4% his rookie year, 36.1, 34.3, 38.2. Then he was only 33.5% from three this past season. Now, this the part that is intriguing is the smarter shot part, right? Because again, I do agree that we have to shoot smarter, but I don't know that the idea of hucking up a more volume of threes is necessarily the answer for this team. I think a good balance of it, getting inside, getting outside, I think that's the better philosophy. But, you know, again, I'll trust Quinn Snyder on all of this because it's, it's been consistent from the players 
the idea that this team should be shooting more threes. Well, okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know how shooting more threes gets you a better percentage unless you're in the gym in the offseason and you're working specifically on that. But it is interesting to hear some of these things about the philosophy of what Quinn Snyder is looking for in this offense that he wants more threes, more volume of threes. And and maybe he looks at it as like, look, we can shoot a lower percentage of threes, but if we make them each time, we're getting another point. I, I don't really know. I, I don't I don't really know the philosophy on all of this. I just know that Trey Young and a lot of other guys have to shoot the three ball better. That's what if we're gonna take a bigger volume of three point shots, then we better start shooting the ball better. We better start finding a way to make more of those kinds of shots. Because if we're going to live by the three-point line, guess what you're also going to do? You're going to die by the three-point line. And at times, this team has died by the three-point line as much as they've lived by it. And I know that's the NBA game nowadays, right? I mean, the NBA game is, you know, the three-point shot, right? That's that's the way that the game has, has evolved. It's not about guys taking 15-footers, always driving to the basket and things like that. It's about spreading everybody out and finding a way to stand behind the three-point line and huck it up. I, I get all of that. But still, that's something that we haven't necessarily been very good at. Well, I mean, two things about it. One is we haven't been necessarily the best three-point shooting team. And two, we've had a lot of trouble over the years defending the three-point line. So I hope that in conjunction with shooting more threes, that we find a way to defend the three-point line better than we have in years past, but I have heard the same things about Quinn Snyder, that they want a bigger volume of threes. Let's hope that they can find a way to actually make a few of those shots so we don't have to die by the three-point line. All right, as you uh, listen into uh, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, make sure that you go into the comments section of whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We like to call them our everydayers and we thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. And look, we're over a year uh, into this thing, so we thank you so much for being a part of it. But let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say, an everyday listener to our show. So Marcelo Zuna was benched yesterday, according to reports uh, from Bob Nightingale, uh, who, who kind of broke this uh, story, that uh, Marcelo Zuna was benched today, and this came from Brian Snicker, that Marcelo Zuna was benched yesterday in the game against the Arizona Diamondbacks because of his lack of hustle. Now, if you saw the game on Saturday night, Ozuna hit a big towering fly ball that looked like it was going to be a home run, but ended up bouncing back in, and Ozuna only got a single out of it. Probably should have been minimum double, but probably a triple, but whatever, okay? So I've got no problem with what, snicker said and as far as benching him for that reason and and i also don't have a problem with the idea of confirming that story that he was benched because he didn't hustle and, and i've got no you know again you know some things people talk about you know well coaches should keep that secret or whatever like that i got no issue or no problem with brian snicker talking about that you know the reason that he wasn't playing is because he didn't hustle you know, sometimes you have to send a message to not just, you know, your internal team, your organization, but 
you have to allow those things to get out in public. You know, everything can't be a secret. And, and if a guy did not, you know, again, you, you can't hide from the obvious. You know, it was obvious that Ozuna on Saturday night when he hit that big towering fly ball, you know, was standing at home plate admiring, you know, what he had done and this, that, and the other, and then failed to get himself into scoring position. We all saw it. We knew why he only ended up with a single, even though he hit a, a shot to dead center field that bounced off the wall. We, we knew the exact reasons why. So at least Snitker comes out and doesn't insult our intelligence that, hey, listen, I, I, I understand it. I saw the same thing that you did, and now we're reacting to it. And good for Snitker for, for doing all of this. You know, again, in the course of 100, I know Marcelo Zuna has played really well and he's had a thousand plus OPS since the start of May and all this good kind of stuff, right? And we were trying to win a series yesterday. But sometimes there has to be a bigger message sent than just the one game sample size. Sometimes the message has to be bigger than just that particular individual game. And sometimes you have to send it to guys that, okay, if you, you know, again, I would promise you that probably Snitker has had some of these talks before to individual players behind the scenes, right? I mean, if we're getting to the point where it's now out in public about why a guy is not playing and the manager confirms it, there's probably been internal discussions about what has gone on. Before we even hear about it in the media, we, we get those internal discussions that don't that we don't hear about. So I got no problem with what Snicker did yesterday in sitting one of his hottest hitters. Sometimes you have to send a message to your team and make it bigger than what that individual game is. And look, at the end of the day, the Braves went out and won it, right? Rosario hits the big home run. And the Braves walk it off, and and they and they win it. They they you know scored you know uh, four runs in the top of the ninth inning and found a way to win it. So while while again, you can't just look at the sample size of just a one game set. Sometimes the message has to be bigger than just that individual game or that individual player. And that's a message that this team look. We're not going to take it. We're not hustling, right? And Snicker's an old school guy. He's an old soul when it comes to baseball. He believes in these kinds of things. I know the new modern generation of athletes and all this kind of stuff, you know, don't don't do those things. But again, you know, when when you're fighting scratch and clawing for every run, every base, you have to be in tune and you have to be laser focused on everything that you do every single day, every single at bat. And when you're not you know, that could have come back to bite, you know, the Braves at the end of the day. It could have, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, I should say, it didn't, didn't affect the Braves. But I got no problem with the message that Brian Snicker was sending to Marcelo Zuna. Hey, we're better than this. Hey, you're not going to not hustle, and there are not going to be ramifications or consequences. Now, again, it's one game, right? It's a, it's a one-game sample size in 162. But... The message has to be bigger than that. The message is bigger than what this that one game sample size is. And certainly Marcelo Zuna is a veteran player. He knows and he understands that that kind of you know stuff is not going to be tolerated. But you want to see more from one of your players. You want to see more from a guy who hits a towering fly ball to center field and only ends up standing on first base when the thing bounces off the top of the wall back into play. 
So I give credit for Brian Snicker and not only for the idea of sitting him down for that game, but it being confirmed in the media that that's the specific reason why. Didn't dance around it, didn't try to make up something, oh, he's got a hamstring issue or anything like that. It was, no, he's benched for the day because he didn't hustle out of play. That's the part that impresses me the most. That's the bigger message that gets sent to everybody that we're not going to tolerate these kinds of things. We're not going to have this kind of behavior. We have to be better in all of this. Good message by Brian Snicker. I would thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener. We like to call them our everydayers to the podcast. So thank you so much for being a part of our ever-growing community. And listen, let us know that you're an everydayer in the comments section of whatever platform that you listen on. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or where you ever listen to your podcast and get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 